If you're tuning into this podcast, it shows you care a great deal about your child's health. So I want to share with you my video course on nutrient supplementation for children that I just published on udemy.com. If you check the description of this episode for the link to my website where you can sign up to my mailing list, as soon as you sign up, I'm going to send you a voucher so that you can get this video course for free. And in the course, I'm going to discuss the most important supplements for children and how to pick quality supplements, how to avoid poor quality ingredients, how to avoid potentially harmful extra ingredients, and basically how to steer clear of the marketing ploys designed to sell us inferior quality supplements. So I hope that you get value out of this course. I'm sure that if you apply the knowledge you learn in it, you will save not just time researching these supplements, but also money. And most importantly, you will get the best quality supplements that your budget will allow so that you can provide your child with the nutritional support that they need. So check out the description for the link to my website where you can sign up to my mailing list. And as I said, as soon as you sign up, I'll send you the the coupon to get the course for free. And if you do sign up, please let me know how you find it. If there's any other information you would like me to include or any other feedback, I would be very grateful if you could send me that. Thank you. In this episode, I'm going to do something a bit different. My idea is to do kind of like a book review for some books related to autism that I really feel you need to be aware of and read yourself. Um, So I feel like... A lot of these, there's some really good um, publications that have pretty much been missed by the mainstream. And unfortunately, uh, maybe because at at times they're a bit too technical or, you know, they're just not as accessible as a lot of the mainstream text. The problem there is that the information is amazing, right? Amazing information that can really help you get your child healthy. And as I talk about in my book, which I actually believe it's the best resource that I know of out there for parents with autistic children. As I say in my book, it's all about getting your child healthy. And and the way you do that is you identify the various metabolic and health challenges that your child has. So this is The most important thing you can do because we know from many, many studies at this point that autism is in many ways influenced by various things like nutrient imbalances, deficiencies, gut dysfunction, heavy metal toxicity, oxidative stress, things like that. So if you can get an understanding of these things and how to test for them and how to address them, uh, you know, you will be doing your child the biggest favor ever. That's the most imp- this is the most important thing to do. And I feel like it's just slipped past in the mainstream. A lot of parents, uh, a lot of the books and, and the resources are about coping with your child being autistic and, you know, doing like trying behavioral things to, to help them out. But if, if you, as, I'll, as you see me quote some things in, from the book that we're discussing today, if you don't fix the underlying health 
problems, metabolic problems, the, any behavioral strategies and things like that have a much lesser chance of success. So let me give you a quick introduction to the book. So Dr. William Walsh, so the book is called Nutrient Power by Dr. William Walsh. He's a PhD. He's a brilliant guy. I've listened to him on many podcasts and many of the resources. So he's director of the Walsh Institute and it's a nonprofit and basically what they do is they, they train doctors on how to use the techniques and the tools that Dr. Walsh has uncovered or found during his many years of doing research, not just in autism, but in depression, schizophrenia, behavioral disorders, ADHD, even Alzheimer's disease. So he's done a lot of research. He's worked with a lot of people, tens of thousands of people, thousands of autistic individuals. And what he writes about in the book is that a lot of those people, a large chunk of those people, they basically have a small number of nutrients that are out of balance. So, so what what he found in his research over the, the decades is that things like, for example, um, antisocial personality disorder, clinical depression, anorexia, obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, schizophrenia, things like that, uh, they, they share common nutrient imbalances. For example, the most common offenders are high copper, copper overload, vitamin B6 deficiency, zinc deficiency, and oxidative stress is usually a factor. And then other stuff like methylfolate imbalances, amino acid imbalances. And I won't get into those too much, but what I'd like to do is just look look into the book a little bit. So the, the, there's only one chapter on autism. The, there's chapters here on, as I already mentioned, the 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 some of the conditions that he's researched and worked with include schizophrenia, depression, obviously autism, uh, ADHD, Alzheimer's disease. He's even worked with violent criminals and he's tested them. And they also uh, share that um, some of those common patterns like high copper, low zinc, vitamin B6 deficiency. And of course, as I write in my book, uh, and in fact, Dr. Walsh's book, Nutrient Power, was one of the first books that I read, I was actually reading it at the time when autism came on on my radar because of a, of a family situation, right? I, I just I, I won't go into too much detail now, uh, just to uh, protect people's identities. But at the time, I was reading this book, and I just when I read the chapter on autism, just so many things, so many because I always used to think I didn't know anything about it before, and. I always used to think it's it's a genetic, it's a very serious thing. Uh, of, of course, it's a ser- serious thing, but I always thought it's it's a genetic uh, condition and there's nothing that can be done. But as you will see, as I quote some paragraphs from the book, you will see what Dr. Walsh, you know, a very he's a very prominent researcher. You see what he says about autism. With the, I'll give you a bit of background before we get into that. So as I mentioned already, a lot of the conditions that he talks about in the book, including autism and ADHD, share common nutritional imbalances. These include copper overload, vitamin B6 deficiency, zinc deficiency, oxidative stress, and then other imbalances like uh, with the methylation, uh, with folate, and amino acids. Um, I'll, I'll try to keep it simple for this podcast, of course. So here's one, right? So copper. So Here's a quote from the book. Copper overloads tend to lower dopamine levels and increase norepinephrine in the brain. Imbalances in these important neurotransmitters have been associated with paranoid schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, 
postpartum depression, ADHD, autism, and violent behavior. Okay, so a copper overload, as I've written in my book, is the basically zinc and copper imbalance is the most common imbalance in autism. This is something that some very cheap blood tests and perhaps a hair test can tell you if this is a problem for your child. Chances are it is a problem for your child. And this is not a difficult thing to test for. And it's not a particularly difficult thing to begin correcting. It's mostly some changes in the diet and supplementation program. So this is Dr. Walsh talking. This is before we even get into the snippets on uh, from the chapter on autism. Here's uh, another quote. Most persons with elevated blood copper also exhibit depressed zinc and excessive oxidative stress. So oxidative stress is that damaging process where there's an imbalance in the antioxidant and pro-oxidant kind of systems and processes in the body. It can damage cells, including brain cells. So not, you know, not something you want happening in your child. Continuing with the quote, in healthy persons, copper levels are regulated by metallothionine and other proteins that bind to excess copper and carry it out of the body. However, metallothionine activity can be significantly reduced by either zinc deficiency or elevated oxidative stress. Many persons diagnosed with mental illness have an inborn tendency for elevated copper levels, and this predisposes them to psychiatric disorders. Nutrient therapy to normalize copper levels can be effective in balancing dopamine and norepinephrine levels for these persons. The treatment approach is inexpensive and relatively free of side effects when administered properly. So what he's saying is certain people just have a tendency to have elevated copper levels. So this could be due to genetic variations. And when that copper builds up, it can cause elevated oxidative stress. It can cause zinc deficiency. And those factors can worsen the the, the copper excess, so a diet low in zinc. And what this can manifest as is mental issues, things like depression, uh, bipolar disorder, even schizophrenia, obsessive compulsive disorder, and so on. So when those people's, when this is detected with um, uh, blood testing and those copper levels, zinc levels are normalized or at least become close to normal, those people see tremendous improvements. And this is also the case for children with ADHD or autistic children. When you improve the zinc status and reduce the copper excess, they there's I've some studies in my book showing that after basically zinc and vitamin B6 therapy, the children scored lower on tests for autism severity, for example. Now let's go on to what he says about vitamin B6 deficiency. So vitamin B6 concentrations in the brain are about 100 times higher than levels in the blood. And this nutrient has important roles in mental functioning. Severe deficiency of vitamin B6 has been associated with irritability, depression, poor short memory, and psychosis. This is not surprising since it is required for efficient synthesis of serotonin, dopamine, and GABA, three critically important neurotransmitters. There are three different chemicals. Okay, so then he goes on to talk about the types of vitamin B6. But the the important part here is, so vitamin B6 is very commonly 
uh, low or deficient in autistic children. This can cause issues with the neurotransmitters because it is required for the, the, the synthesis of serotonin, dopamine, and GABA. These are some of the most prominent and important neurotransmitters. So when there's a B6 deficiency coupled with a copper excess, coupled with a zinc deficiency, you now have a recipe for unbalanced neurotransmitters in the brain. And this can at least to, to a degree, if not uh, completely, affect children's behavior. This, this can cause severe changes in behavior. It can, it can cause many things from depression to you know, uh, hallucinations, all kinds of strange behaviors. And this is due to neuro, uh, imbalances in neurotransmitters, so brain chemicals, but the, the cause or the contributor is simply deficiencies or imbalances in nutrients. You see, that's why the book is called Nutrient Power. Now, we haven't even gotten to the chapter on autism yet, right? But so I'll just, now here's what Dr. Walsh says about zinc deficiency. Zinc deficiency is by far the most frequently observed chemical imbalance in mental health populations. More than 90% of persons, that's 90% of persons diagnosed with depression, behavioral disorders, ADHD, autism, and schizophrenia exhibit depleted plasma zinc levels, ranging from low normal to severe deficiency. One explanation for this curious fact is that most mental disorders involve oxidative stress that deplete zinc stores in the body. And then it gets a little bit more technical here. But to just go back uh, a couple of sentences. So, Zinc deficiency is by far the most frequently observed chemical imbalance. Now, he says more than 90% of persons diagnosed with depression, behavioral disorders, ADHD, autism, and schizophrenia exhibit depleted plasma zinc levels. So the blood zinc is depleted. That's 90% of persons. So think about it. Could this be a problem for your child? This is why I keep saying this is one of the cheapest, easiest, most accessible blood tests that you can and should run as soon as possible. It's one of the very basic blood tests that I recommend in my book. Get the get the, the zinc and copper levels checked. And more, I'm telling you, more likely than not, the copper will be high and the zinc will be um, either normal, could be low normal, or it could be very low. And if you improve the zinc status of your child and reduce that copper excess, your child will be better off. Your child will be healthier. And it may even have an effect not just on their physical health, but on their, on their, um, the, the health of their brain, their behavior. You may see positive results there. So talk to your practitioner and get this done because you don't even need to order special tests. You, you, can, you can get these tests in any clinic. Okay, continuing here. So just uh, another snippet from the book on why why zinc is so important for, for brain functioning. So there's these zinc metallothionine proteins that, that they're, they're actually a component of the blood-brain barrier. So that this blood-brain barrier is in the brain and the central nervous system and it protects your child's brain and central nervous system from harmful chemicals that can enter and obviously wreak havoc. So zinc is super important for that. Then Zinc proteins in the brain combat oxidative free radicals that could destroy brain cells, harm the myelin sheath, which um, is the protective lining around the brain cells, 
and alter neurotransmitter levels. Why is zinc important? Well, th- there's another good reason. Zinc is also required for the conversion of the B6 from the diet into the activated form. And as I already said, that activated form of uh, uh, vitamin B6 is needed for the synthesis of serotonin, dopamine, GABA, and other neurotransmitters. Now, GABA is, you might not have heard of GABA, but it actually is, it's an inhibitory or calming neurotransmitter. So it's essential for calming down the nervous system. So uh, in my book, I also, in chapter four, I talk about there's this other neurotransmitter called glutamate. Many children have an excess of that glutamate uh, neurotransmitter. And GABA is basically, it, it kind of is, is the neurotransmitter that balances glutamate. So if, if your child is low on B6, the, there's a chance that glutamate can build up and that glutamate can cause the oxidative stress that Dr. Walsh talks about. So if the GABA is low, it can cause the, the excitatory glutamate, which is stimulating, but it can also, if in, in excess, it can actually damage brain cells and, and tissues around it because of this oxidative stress process. So vitamin B6 should be part of pretty much most autistic children's supplement program. Next, zinc deficiency can cause the copper overload that we talked about. And this copper overload can alter brain levels of dopamine and norepinephrine, which is called noradrenaline if you're in Europe. Yeah, so copper basically is a cofactor for an enzyme that converts dopamine to norepinephrine. So when when that when there's more copper you can get a basically you can get a, an overconversion of dopamine to norepinephrine. So that can out that can reduce the dopamine, it can increase the norepinephrine, for example, right? So th- this is how having too much copper can alter the and unbalance the, the neurotransmitters. Also copper in excess, it can also cause oxidative stress and damage to tissues, including brain cells. Then zinc deficiency results in altered brain levels of GABA. Zinc has other roles in in protein synthesis, in the immune system, in fighting infections. So if your child is low on zinc, you need to know immediately their zinc status and start supplementing them under the care of your practitioner because you shouldn't just supplement these nutrients are very powerful. So you cannot supplement them randomly and willy-nilly. This is why, again, I repeat, the book is called Nutrient Power because there's tremendous power in these nutrients. Now, Dr. Walsh has had amazing recoveries for many, many people from depression, schizophrenia, even autism, ADHD, uh, aggression in children, behavioral disorders. They've had like um, just amazing success just without drugs, just by balancing the body chemistry. And more often than not, there are these few nutrients that are the most important and the most kind of effective of behavior. And it it seems like a crazy notion, but it's just been suppressed to a great extent because there's not so much money to be made in selling zinc and, and, and vitamin B6. And there's a lot more money to be made in selling SSRIs and other antidepressants and things like that. So here's another quote from the book. However, millions of persons are born with a genetic tendency for severe zinc depletion that can disrupt brain chemistry and mental functioning. In working with thousands of violent children, 
we learned that most families report significant improvement once zinc levels are normalized. I believe lab testing for plasma zinc should be mandatory for all patients diagnosed with a behavioral disorder, ADHD, autism, or a mental illness. Now, just as an aside, Dr. Walsh, there's a, a panel of blood tests that I actually did not include this in the book because the book was already, my book was already very long. So it was 70,000 words. So I cut this part out of chapter, uh, I believe, six. Um, but there's a panel, a blood testing panel called the, the Walsh panel. And what that panel is, it's tests for, uh, the, so the, there's a, a urine test as part of it. And the blood tests test for plasma zinc, serum copper, serum ceruloplasmin, whole blood histamine, and in urine cryptopyrroles. So basically the, the ceruloplasmin, it's a copper carrying protein. So when that's low, there's a lot more free copper running around in the blood that can cause that oxidative damage. So this is why this is an important test to run as well, if you can find it, if your clinic has it. Um, and then the whole blood histamine that's used to determine methylation status. But we don't really have time to go in, in depth here. It's, it's a little bit more complicated. Now here, just to get to, to the chapter on autism, I highly, again, I highly recommend that you get the book and I'll, I'll have a link in the show notes to it. Get the book, read the introduction, read the chapter on autism. And then there's some appendix where there, you, he kind of goes into a little bit more depth about methylation, oxidative stress. So this is the reason why I think it's important for you to read it. Even if you're not technical, you don't fully understand many of the concepts discussed in the book is when I, when I read that chapter on autism, um, and as I said, someone in my family was affected, as soon as I read and understood even partially what kind of health problems afflict a majority of autistic individuals, I knew that immediate action needs to be taken to ameliorate those health problems because they will lead to further damage down the line. So this is why I think it's important, even if you don't understand fully what what they're talking about in these books, these uh, doctors, PhDs, and, and so on, you need to under get the basic gist of it. And what you will understand then is why the, the stuff I talk about on this podcast is the most important stuff to know about autism. There, surely, sure, there's some genetic factors and there's researchers looking into uh, many, many of the kind of the, the genetic predispositions. And these are important things. But what, what you need to do right now in the here and now is figure out what physical metabolic health challenges your child is currently experiencing because these are the most important things to um, understand, detect, and correct because this is really where the benefit lies for you. Okay, here's another quote from, this is now from the chapter on autism in the book. There is an undeniable heritable component to autism with about 60 to 90% concordance in identical twins in contrast to less than 10% for fraternal twins. Since concordance is less than 100%, a very significant environmental component exists. So it's not just genetic. We cannot say it's just genetic. If it was just genetic, it could not. the, the autism rates could not have risen as, as, as much as they have in the past few decades. It's impossible. Genetic conditions 
do not increase at such a staggering speed. He goes on to say, I once studied an autistic adult with wild behavior and severe cognitive delays, and then I met his identical twin, who was a personable, highly successful professional. They had identical physical appearance and blood-urine chemistry, but the difference in their level of functioning was staggering. The mother said both sons developed normally the first 18 months, after which one twin developed severe autism symptoms while the other continued to thrive. She had no explanation for the difference in her sons. Another case involved identical twin boys age 3 who presented with very similar autism symptoms and biochemistry. After a few years of biochemical treatment, one twin achieved a full recovery and has been excelling in a mainstream classroom. His brother had a partial improvement, but is still on the autism spectrum. Since their treatments and diets were identical for years, it seems likely one twin experienced more severe environmental insults, such as exposure to pesticides or toxic metals. So identical twins, the genes are the same. But as you can see, then these are just a couple of the his, his work with thousands of autistic individuals, Dr. Walsh. As you can see, identical twins have the same genes. So why did one brother only partially recover from the autism after they both kids had the exact same uh, diet and supplementation and therapies? And it, it seems likely that just one of the kids just had a more severe, more severe stresses from the environment. And these are often pesticides, um, toxic metals, chemicals. And th this, this seems to be the most likely conclusion that we can draw. So that's, that's some food for thought there. Here is another quote from the same chapter. A misguided belief that still persists is that autism is incurable and affected children face a dismal future. Recent advances in biomedical and bi behavioral therapies have resulted in thousands of reports of recovery throughout the world. Most of these reports involved intervention prior to age four, but significant progress can be made at any age. I once received a phone call from a mother from Connecticut who said her 17-year-old daughter began speaking after two months of biochemical therapy. Biochemical therapy, which uses chemicals natural to the body, is a subset of biomedical therapy. Medical science is sometimes slow to adopt new effective therapies, and the lack of compelling evidence, scientific evidence, the funding and publication of which is prey to political roadblocks, is often part of the problem. And this is, this is the important part I look forward to the time when the medical and scientific communities acknowledge that autism is treatable and parents of, effective, of affected children are urged to seek aggressive yet safe treatment immediately after diagnosis. Okay. So the most important thing is early intervention. We know that, but not just early intervention to to do uh, ABA or other behavioral therapy, early intervention to understand what health and metabolic issues the child has, because those are more likely than not affecting everything from the physical health to the behavior, to the brain health, everything, to the, uh, the sleep, anxiety levels, 
absolutely everything, ability to learn and so on. So the point is, it's there's no use in just consuming information. You really need to run the tests, take the supplements, uh, uh, improve the diet, remove the you know the pesticides, uh, introduce only organic foods. These are not not um, optional. They're absolutely not optional. These are essential. And every single one of these is equally as important as the others. You can't just do the, the easy or the convenient things, unfortunate. I wish it was, diff- it was different, but it's not. All of these things are I- extremely important. That's what, they're like, they're like the, the, the tires on a car. You cannot drive a car with one or two or three tires. You need all of your tires. And that, the things I talk about in my book, every single one of those things is important. Some can give you more benefit visibly, but that doesn't matter. They're all equally important and all need to be considered and done as soon as possible, to as strictly as possible. Here's another positive quote from the book. Fortunately, the ability to develop immature brain cells and new synapses continues throughout life. This capability enables many paralyzed stroke victims to recover and also offers hope for children with autism. The speed with which new brain cells and synapses are developed is extremely rapid until about age four when a gradual slowing occurs. This explains why a four-year-old visiting Paris may speak fluent French within six weeks, while a teenager may require a year or more, and a senior citizen might never achieve this capability. And here, this is the important part. Clinicians working with autistic children are aware of the critical need for early intervention. In my experience, greater progress can be achieved in one month with a two-year-old than in six months with an eight-year-old. Doctors and parents need to be aware that immediate action is essential once the diagnosis of autism has been made. So this is why action is your friend. Consistent, serious action. Run the tests. Go to your doctor, get the blood tests, order the organic acids test, order a stool test, and then improve the diet at the same time. Get the supplements, you know, do the hair testing, talk to your practitioner, run all the tests, identify what issues your child is having metabolically and address them. That's it. Here's another quote. So the paragraph is titled, section is titled, High Frequency Health Problems in Autism. In addition to the brain being structurally impacted, most children diagnosed with ASD experience physical problems that can bring considerable misery to the child and make parenting very difficult. Many are afflicted with severe gastrointestinal tract problems, including malabsorption, food sensitivities, esophagitis, reflux, incomplete digestion of proteins, yeast overgrowth, constipation, parasite overloads, and an incompetent intestinal barrier. Other common problems include poor immune function, seizures, sleep disturbances, chemical sensitivities, poor appetite, sensitivity to touch and sound, and so on. So uh, I'll, I'll wrap it up there. But There are numerous reports of high anxiety, apparent pain, frustration, and emotional meltdowns, right? So this is what Dr. Walsh is saying in the book. Caregivers and educators would do well to first look to underlying physiological conditions that cause pain and other symptoms before attributing challenging behaviors to purely behavioral roots. So this is why in my book, I tell you, 
if you improve the hardware, the physical health, the software or the, the mind, the behavior is going to have a much greater likelihood of improving. And this is why I, you know, I wrote the book. This is why I did all that research. And this is why I'm doing this podcast because not enough parents on still, still not enough people understand that the physical health affects mental health affects our behavior affects everything sleep everything here's another quote from the book the multiplicity of autism symptoms has hampered the ability to measure treatment effectiveness in clinical experiments asd children are highly sensitive to their environment and there is a continual waxing and waning of some symptoms due to changing conditions that may be imperceptible to the family so what what he's saying here is Autistic children are extremely sensitive to the environment. We might not feel eating foods, let's say, that are you know bad, you know, crap foods or with pesticides and other chemicals. You and I might not feel it, but autistic children are a lot more sensitive because they have a lot more health issues like oxidative stress, reduced antioxidant capacities, nutrient deficiencies, and you know, uh, uh, immune system dysregulation. So they're less able to deal with these toxic onslaughts. This is why your child's environment and diet need to be pristinely clean. So this is why I talk about cleaning up the environment, cleaning up the diet, eating only organic foods. This is just to repeat, the diet and the environment need to be pristinely clean. It's another one of these things that unfortunately are not optional. Then in the chapter, he talks about uh, food sensitivities, how uh, dairy and grains can cause problems in autistic children. Then he, so here's another one on the abnormal biochemistry that they've detected. So children with autism exhibit distinctive chemical imbalances not present in the general population. By 1999, I had collected a database of 50,000 chemical assays of blood and urine for autistic children and was invited by the late Dr. Bernard Rimland of the Autism Research Institute to present the findings at a think tank in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. The assembled audience of autism researchers was familiar with my findings. Zinc deficiency, copper overload, vitamin B6 deficiency, elevated toxic metals. Okay, there's another little quote there. So once again, get the zinc and copper levels checked in the blood and do a hair test for good measure because hair testing, I'll, I'll do a whole separate episode on hair testing, but you need to, you need, you need a multi-pronged approach with testing nutrients because it's, it, it's complicated, but the, the blood basically is buffered to a great extent. So sometimes there could be a lot of, copper in the tissues including the liver so that these things can be you can tell these things by looking at a hair test and comparing it to the blood test so just a little example there and then there's a table in the book in this chapter that is called a, this is a partial list of biochemical features of autism so the biochemical features low levels of glutathione this is the master antioxidant of, of our cells Undermethylation, elevated mercury, lead, and other toxins. Yeah, so in chapter five of my book, I, I, I tell you all about the research into heavy metals and autism, including heavy metals 
and their association with the severity of autism. Then zinc deficiency, we've already discussed that at length. Vitamin A deficiency, elevated urine pyrroles, depressed metallothionine protein levels. So these metallothionines, they carry zinc around the body. As I already said, they they are part of the blood-brain barrier. And also low levels of magnesium, deficiency of selenium and cysteine, and cysteine is required for glutathione production. So these are what Dr. Walsh, after this is by 1999, he had collected a database of 50,000 different chemical assays of blood and urine for autistic children. That's by 1999. And it's what, 21 years later, how much more research has this man done? The guy's absolutely brilliant. I actually was supposed to go to um, in Austria to one of his workshops on, it was more about ADHD, but uh, the lockdown kind of prevented me from going. So I was, I was really disappointed about not being able to, to meet the guy and, you know, just to kind of thank him for, for his service to, to mankind. And he, he really um, influenced a lot of the content of my book with his kind of, with his information and his book. So the band is brilliant. Now here's another part uh, from from the, 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 the this chapter. So oxidative stress. Now I've talked about oxidative stress before, and here listen to this now. While evaluating extensive blood and urine chemistries for thousands of ASD patients, I learned that more than 99 exhibit evidence of excessive oxidative stress. So uh, how do how do we tell oxidative stress is a, an issue? There are certain biomarkers like zinc deficiency, elevated pyrroles, low copper to zinc status, copper, copper overload, low ceruloplasmin under methylation, low levels of glutathione, selenium, and so on, elevated levels of mercury, lead, and other toxic metals. So he, he has seen this in 99% of, of thousands of autistic patients, thousands, 99% of thousands. So oxidative stress is is a real problem in autism due to these and other imbalances. And when oxidative stress is a factor in, in, in your child's body, it can lead to things like weakened immune function, reduced levels of digestive enzymes that break down, that break down proteins. So this can obviously lead to food sensitivities and other immune dysfunction, a tendency for yeast overload, as I've talked in a few episodes ago, uh, candida and other yeast are very common in autistic children. Depressed levels of glutathione and other protective um, amino acids and proteins. Again, oxidative stress can contribute to copper overload and deficiencies of zinc and selenium. It can also disrupt the methylation cycle. It can also reduce the ability to overcome inflammation and it can cause a hypersensitivity to mercury lead and other toxic metals. So needless to say, this is a process that you need to ameliorate in your child's body and you need to remove the factors that are contributing to it. And actually, I'll just wrap up this episode with, he does go on to talk about antioxidant therapies. So many, uh, quote, many symptoms of autism are directly related to elevated oxidative stress. The following are examples of benefits that may be achieved by effective antioxidant therapy. Reduction of brain inflammation may reduce irritability and enhance development of speech, cognition, and socialization. 
Improved glutathione and metallothionine levels can enhance memory by increasing glutamate activity at NMDA receptors. Reductions in the number of oxidative free radicals would enhance immune response, protein digestion, and eliminate the tendency for yeast overload. And the filtering action of intestinal and blood-brain barriers can be improved by eliminating oxidative overload. Further, increased activity of metallothionine proteins could promote development of new brain cells and synaptic connections. And finally, elimination of oxidative overloads would protect against brain cell death and cognitive impairments. So by using antioxidants and reducing oxidative stress, it can affect things like the, in, in, the development of speech, cognition, socialization. It can reduce irritability. It can help enhance memory. It can help uh, the body fight yeast overload it, uh, and other infections. Just it, it would enhance the immune response. It can bolster the intestinal barrier and the blood-brain barrier, which, of course, I don't need to tell you. You intuitively know that that's beneficial. And, of course, the ability to promote uh, development of new brain cells and synaptic connections is incredibly important for children's growth and development and learning and so on. And here's, I'll just, I'll just uh, wrap up with a couple more quotes. So this next one is, It cannot be stressed enough that continuous, strong, Antioxidant therapy should be employed as appropriate under medical oversight in order to prevent progressive and severe cognitive deterioration as the individual with autism ages. This can be accomplished with fairly routine and inexpensive supplementation. It cannot be stressed enough. I don't think he stressed it enough in the book, to be honest, because I think many people would, would gloss over that. This can be accomplished with fairly routine and inexpensive supplementation. And I talk a, a lot about this supplementation in, in my book. So that's that's another area that's covered. And again, this is why I believe my book is, is probably the most comprehensive resource out there for you. And finally, the last quote from Dr. Walsh, in many ways, children with autism are quite sick and can benefit greatly from treatments that overcome malabsorption, food sensitivities, yeast overgrowth, parasites, constipation, poor immune function, and so on. These treatments can often provide a rapid reduction of symptoms that make life more manageable and comfortable for both the child and family. So I would urge you to get the book and just dip in and out of, of you know whatever chapters kind of are interesting to you. Just learn a little bit more about how the nutrients, the very nutrients, like the, the basic stuff of life, like zinc, copper, vitamin B6, and so on, just imbalances in those how strong of an effect it can have on our health, especially our mental health. So I will leave a link to the book in the show notes of the episode. Please do check it out. And I hope that you found this uh, episode helpful. And I hope to see you on the next one.